G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Talking about sharing truth in a post-truth world. Well, that's an interesting topic, isn't it? Because as you will likely remember, last year, the 2016 Word of the Year from Oxford Dictionaries was the word post-truth. So that's a hyphenated word. You can say that's two words, but uh, it's a hyphenated word, post-truth. Well, we watched in the U.S. from a distance uh, that tension-filled presidential campaign where truth-telling took a back seat. We saw the emergence of people who were sharing fake news articles that hardly met the lowest levels of journalistic integrity. So we recognize that the world is a changing place. Things are changing rapidly. And so it's not unusual for us to see the need to talk about this post-truth ethos. As Christians, we need to be thinking about how we share the gospel because the world might be changing, but the gospel has not. So what does sharing our faith look like in a post-truth world? It is always good to welcome Our special guest through this coming hour, Stu Miller, the founder of Train to Proclaim. Stu, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be back. Stu, before we get into this really tough topic, you've spent some time over the summer months Mm -hmm. uh, visiting New Zealand, which I must say is your homeland. And you've probably come back with, uh, you know, a revitalised Kiwi accent. We won't hold that against you, though. Crikey, Uh, (laughs) fair dinkum. Tiny kangaroo downsport, Neil. All right, okay. okay. (laughs) We'll see if you can maintain that through the whole hour. Uh, How'd you you go in New Zealand? Because you were there and uh, Mm. doing a lot of ministry and uh, evangelism training. How are the yep. Kiwis doing? Are they uh, are they doing okay with evangelism? They are actually. Um, there was a lot of interest um, in having training. I, I went from church to church training with our app. Uh, we've spoken about it on the program before. It's called G Seven Gospel and Seven, and it's a great way for for Christians to be able to pull out the phone and just share really. Um, breezily, very naturally with someone and say, hey, have a look at this and then take them through the gospel message. So I was teaching people how to do that over the summer. Um, it was actually the first time we've lived here for 12 years, Neil, but every summer we've gone back. So we go back for three three months over summer and I because I, I run the ministry in New Zealand as well. And uh, this is the first time in 12 years I haven't got back to my home church to see uh, friends, you know, because I was just booked out every Sunday. So it was fantastic. There's a, a lot of... Uh, Interest, a lot of enthusiasm for learning how to share your faith. So I was, I was really encouraged. Now, when we talk about post-truth, does this sort of thing come up in questions when you're doing an evangelism seminar mm-hmm. or you're speaking at a particular church? Uh, do people raise this or is this something that uh, people are not talking about? Should we be talking about it more? But what's, uh, what's your reflection on how people are thinking about a post-truth world? Yeah, I definitely think we should be talking about this more. And uh, it does come up in seminars. People ask the question, well, hey, how do, you know, we're sharing the gospel, but people, people don't even believe in God or they don't believe in truth itself. Like they just think truth is relative. They just think everything, everyone's right. All the, aren't all the religions the same? And, and we're in the, this era. We've gone p- past the modern era where everything was science-based and facts and 
if you can't prove it, if there's no evidence, then it's not real, you know. And it was very, you know, as when I was growing up as a young man, uh, you know, that's what the era that we're in. And then we've gone past that because people have, have realised how shallow that is and that there's more to life than what you can see and touch and feel and smell. There, you, we do have a, a soul, with you know, love. But try and put that into a chemistry <laughs> you know, right. test tube or something. You, you know, there's a whole lot of things that we just can't, uh, you know, um, get science to, to define or, or, you know, there's a whole lot of elements, a whole spiritual side to us. And so people are recognizing that and they're going past the scientific, the modern era into this postmodern era or post-truth era where, oh, well, you know, everyone's right. <laughs> and, we're, and we're dealing with people, you know, as I go out on the streets or talk with non-Christians in general, a lot of them are just, oh, yeah, but there's many paths to God. There's, there's many ways to, to God, you know. Surely you're not saying that you're the only one that's right and, and everyone else is wrong, you know. It sounds so narrow-minded, so bigoted, you know. And so I think we've really got to discuss this because we don't want to come across as bigots. We don't want to come across as arrogant and we've got all the answers and no one else has got it and, and we've got the truth and, 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 and in an environment where the people's worldview are going, man, that's, that's just not on. You can't say that. So how do we communicate the gospel, which is so clear cut, in a world like today? So it's going to be a great show today. I think it is, and I'm hoping that there'll be a lot of listeners who will be wanting to involve themselves in this conversation and uh, having our talkback lines open on 1-800-316-316. I feel like, uh, and there'll be those who are older than I who might have been Mm -hmm. talking about this idea of being postmodern or a Mm postmodern era, Uh, but I feel like I've known about uh, this idea of being postmodern, a postmodern world, for about a quarter of a century. Mm-hmm. And yep. when I first started to hear about it, it was all so strange. Mm. And uh, I didn't really understand it very well. Yes. Uh, but as I began to grapple with that and uh, tend to have a grasp on what that all means, mm. uh, in recent times, we've started to see it come to the fore. It's mm. like floated to the surface. It wasn't just something that was philosophically being thought about. Mm-hmm. Now it's here. Now yes. people have their own fake news that they want to believe. They want to believe Mm. the stories that they are reading, Mm -hmm. uh, even though they might even be told those are fake news. And and so uh, people are gravitating towards what they want to believe rather than what is true. Mm. Well, if if you've got a worldview that says there is no truth, there is no absolutes, um, why can't something that's fake be true? (laughs) Because nothing's true anyway. So it's just everything's about perception. And so, you know, that, that, like you said with the elections, it's, it's not about the truth. It's about the perception of what people think is right. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. And so as a Christian, if we're sharing the gospel, well, people will think, oh, well, that's your perception. That's your truth. It's not my truth. Now, we, of course, would respond and say, well, if it's true for, for, what, for you, it's true for everyone. It's true for me. Uh, if something's true, it's true. That's by nature Truth is actually very exclusive, um, and we want to be this inclusive. <laughs> you know, we want to include everyone, and, and it's a lovely thought to want to include everyone, include all the religions. Everyone's right. Let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. You know, like let's all just love one another and, and be at peace and, and accept everyone's right. Well, unfortunately, when you've got mutually exclusive things being said, they can't both be true. It's just an illogical fallacy. Well, bring Jesus into the picture here Mm. because, as I've said, and perhaps even in a conversation with you, a time or two even, Mm -hmm. uh, when we think of those words that Jesus said when he said, I am the way, the truth, Mm. 
and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Mm. Uh, One of the most divisive, uh, one of the most inflammatory things that anyone in the history of the whole world could say, and perhaps the Mm. most inflammatory thing, and especially inflammatory when Mm. we start talking about a post-truth world, because Jesus says, I am the truth. That's right. How do you feel about uh, the strength of that comment? Oh, I think it's fantastic. It's very polarizing. And, you know, a lot of people hate that, that, that saying of Jesus and, and they, they react to it quite badly. We, we uh, had a stall at the Mind, Body, Spirits Festival last year. I think we might have even discussed it on the air. I'm not sure. But we, we had, you know, and, and, and this, that actually really illustrates the rise in postmodernism and, and this whole worldview because so many people are getting into all sorts of different crazy new age things uh, that have no basis in truth or science or anything really it's just they just believe it because they want to believe it uh, and so there was all these sorts of things floating around there you, it was unbelievable there was past life regression therapy and then there was even one for interpast life regression therapy and you're paying all this money to these people to to help you therapy between your lives and there's no evidence for any of it <laughs> but anyway at this show we're, we're, we're encountering people all the time and that was a verse we, we used multiple times because people just couldn't get the concept that Jesus is the only way. And when we said, well, Jesus has said this, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's okay. And I said, well, is he telling the truth or not? And then there's this big pause because it, it really is polarizing. Either he was lying or he was telling the truth. If he's telling the truth, you need to follow Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. If he's lying, hang on a minute, you just said everyone's right. Yes. You can't have it both ways. It's an illogical position. People go, but everyone's right. And I go, oh, well, I disagree. Oh, no, 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 you're wrong. And I say, hang on a minute. You just said everyone's right. You can't say I'm wrong. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But when we see that this is something that's been traditional, it's sure. been a part of the ethos of who we are as a nation. Uh, mm. We've grown up with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then someone comes along with a new theory. And as you yes. say, uh, a new mm. therapy Well, we better explore that and go and find out whether there's anything to what they've got to say. And so we think that that thing that has been a foundation, Mm -hmm. uh, even for the way that we've grown up and the way we even think, Mm -hmm. uh, we think we better go and try and uh, try and experiment with some new things. And this is part of a postmodern world, a post-truth world. Yeah, because there's a feeling within our society that we need to be open to everything. And if you're not open to everything, if you're not inclusive, then you're a narrow-minded bigot. You're, you're, you know, you're excluding people. You're, you're arrogant. You, to say that you have the truth and someone else doesn't—that's arrogance, you know. And so, uh, it really does affect the way we as Christians need to come across. We need to be very aware of our community and the worldview that's out there, because the way that we communicate has got to be done with humility and love. And at, at the same time. I think people are yearning for truth. I think deep down they they know that this doesn't make sense. Something doesn't add up here. I mean, we don't. We cannot live life like this. I mean, when my wife asked me this morning, Stuart, is, is there any f- milk in the fridge? I didn't go, well, darling, if you believe there's milk in the fridge, there's milk in the fridge. But if there, you don't believe there's milk in the fridge, there's no milk in the fridge. I mean, you <laughs> yes. cannot live life like that. I mean, there's either milk in the fridge or not. And uh, it's the reality. God's either there or not. Jesus is either the way or he's not. He's either the truth or he's not. And uh, people, when you explain that to them, they can see the logic of it. But inside they're going, oh, but I, I, I don't want to exclude anyone. 
And so we're battling with this whole worldview and pressure from our, our, our society and media not to be bigoted and not to put anyone else down. And, and I think the way that we communicate, if we're loving and gentle and we don't put other people down, but just declare the truth and love, it, it really breaks through. We are, aren't we, afraid of mm. that word bigot? Yes. And, uh, you know, I suppose there is a certain point where you need to get to uh, where you say, oh, I don't care what people say. Mm. Uh, I only want to be able to declare yep. the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to be able to declare that because I have a love for Jesus, uh, not because I'm being coerced uh, to right. to be able to say, well, you know, oh, such and such said I have to say this, and and therefore mm. I'm going to, you know, put my uh, neck out and uh, you know mm. risk uh, those sorts of criticisms. But we have to get used to the idea that people mm. will call you names mm. if you do stand for truth. Absolutely, and I think um, there's probably two extremes in this. Uh, there's people who are just uh, very unwise and unloving in the way that they're communicating and they're just like, this is how it is, this is what the Bible says and this is, even it, you know, and they do come across incredibly arrogant and incredibly um, bolshy and, and people, it just turns people off because they don't sense the love, the spirit uh, in which they're doing it and isn't, isn't love. But then on the other side, you've got very wishy-washy Christians that, that are so afraid of being called a big, bigot, so afraid of being putting their neck on the block that they never actually stand for anything. They don't make a stand in society against anything, with whatever the topic is you know, that, that, that we're talking about, uh, or for the gospel. And so you've got those two extremes, and I think that the balance in between, that, that is biblical, is to preach the truth in love. We feel like we have something to lose. And mm. uh, for genuine people who, you know, a lot of people perhaps even listening to our conversation today, mm-hmm. uh, their reputation is at risk. Uh, sometimes it's uh, their family harmony that is at risk. Uh, oftentimes there'll be those who might even find their safety at risk if they mm. stand for truth, and they say, mm, yeah. uh, "Well, I believe the truth is Jesus Christ," and we're not talking about a written code as much as we're talking about a person. We we'll yes. get onto more yes. of that, but but there is a mm. risk, mm. Uh, there is a sacrifice to make to be able to stand and say, "This is where I am," uh, and and people are afraid to do that. Mm. Definitely, I mean, uh, and and Jesus was uh, very polarizing in that too. He said, "You know, if you." Uh, you You've got to lay your life down, take up your cross daily and follow me. And he says, you know, foxes of holes and the birds of the air of nests, but the Son of Man has no one to, nowhere to lay, lay his head. And someone said, but Lord, let me go and first bury my father. And he said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, that is pretty full-on uh, passage of Scripture. I think it's Luke chapter 9. And uh, when you read that, you think, Wow. <laughs> Couldn't even go back and bury his father. Are you serious? Like, you know, and uh, the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, he says, give up everything, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And you think, wow, this passage of scripture that Jesus has just draws a line in the sand and said, are you going to make a stand for truth or not? Are you going to do the right thing? Are you going to follow me or not? And I think we've lost a lot of that in our very cushy Western world, you know, we've very we live very comfortable materialistic lives, and we 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 we're not used to stepping out of the you know and sacrificing and and laying our lives down and 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 counting for something, and particularly in our culture that's so demeaning of that. We don't want to stick our neck on the block, and it's very easy to become a comfortable Christian. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. Twenty twenty. 
on Vision. Want to invite you to be part of our conversation on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. You might have a question or comment to contribute. Stu Miller is our guest from Train to Proclaim. We're talking about a very important topic today: the idea of sharing truth in a post-truth world. Uh, Stu, when we talk about truth, and you know, you sort of uh, led us in a way that we could talk about the idea of people thinking that everybody's got some truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about a little bit uh, those those sorts of directions, but what about the concept of the the person who might say to us, mm-hmm. "Well, there's no truth." Uh, you Christians uh, saying that Jesus is the truth. Well, there is truly no truth. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to say that that's a true statement in, in itself. But what are your thoughts well, I, about the idea of no truth? Well, I actually ask them that. I, I say, is that true? <laughs> and, of course, immediately they, if they say yes, they, they're admitting that there is a truth. And if they say no and they say, well, I agree with you, it's not true, <laughs> there is truth. Uh, and they go, oh, well, sometimes they back up. They go, what, what I mean is there's no absolute truth. There's no absolutes. You know, you, you're trying to every, – everything's not black and white. It's grey. And they sometimes bring in the, the Hindu sort of story about the elephant and how if there was, you know, three blindfolded people and they all felt the elephant and one's feeling the trunk and one feeling the tail and one feeling the, the legs, they go, oh – person feeling the legs is saying, look, you know, it's, it's like a strong, this is a, like a strong tree, this elephant. You know, it's straight and, and true. And, and the other one with the tail is going, no, it's not. It's like, like a bendy, you know, um, you know <laughs> fe- very light and feathery and, oh, it tickles my face. And, and the person on the trunk goes, no, it's like a hose. There's water coming out of it. And, and of course, they're all blindfolded. They're getting a bit different perspective. And some people are saying, well, look, there is no truth. You know, like you're just all seeing different perspectives of God. And, and that's the religion are all just seeing different things and of God, you know, or even different truths about God. But I just say, well, look, you know, you're saying there's absolutely no truth. I say, are you absolutely sure about that? And again, <laughs> they can't answer that because as soon as they say they're absolutely sure, you say, well, there's an absolute truth statement that you've just made. Oh, well, and but you can't make a statement like that without there actually being truth. In fact, you can't actually have a conversation like we're having without any basis for truth because otherwise, what, what's the point of talking? If there is no truth, there's no basis for me being right, you being wrong, wrong you being right, me being wrong. There's no discussion here. Like There is no truth. I mean, it's a pointless uh, position to hold, and, and most people don't actually believe that once you start unpacking it. Uh, so I think un- asking questions like that, is a brilliant way to diffuse that, and I think it's a good principle in general with to, to sort out someone's worldview as to, to where they believe. Take a genuine interest in there. I'm, I'm really interested in what you've just said. What what do you mean there is no truth? You know, like ask the question. See where, where did you come up with that idea from? And as soon as they they're on the back you know back foot as such as they they have to answer uh, where they where they got this idea from, they they really have no foundation. Or if you believe that there's no truth, well, how do you know that that's truth? How do you know that that's true? Oh, well, you don't even believe in truth, so how, how would you know whether it's true or not true? You know, it just it, you know what I mean. It just makes no sense, and eventually they tie themselves in knots and go, "Oh, well, I'm not quite sure." Are we closer to a, a true idea of what's going on if we suggest uh, that people might entertain the idea? that there could be absolute truth, that mm-hmm. you might be right, uh, mm-hmm. that Jesus may be the truth, that there may be a God and that he's connected with us and that there is a way forward. But mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, if I entertain that idea, it might challenge the way I feel about the direction that I might want to go, and therefore right. I will not want to actually hear. I'll be sort of putting my fingers in my ears going, no, 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 I don't want to hear this. <laughs> so th- this idea of, uh, of, you know, I don't want to believe the truth that you're talking mm-hmm. about. You may be right in a sense, but I'm sticking to my guns. I'm not going to listen yeah. to you. There is a, a natural resistance to that. People want to do what they want. They want to believe what they want, and as soon as there's truth, well, it's not a, a, a matter of my opinion anymore. It's, well, what is true? And so that changes the whole dynamic. And if they can just keep to, well, everyone's got their own opinion, everyone's got their own truth, or, or nothing's true, then they can do whatever they want, and nothing is wrong or right. There is no morals. There's no higher power that's going to judge them because they became, basically become God, and they can do whatever they like. So there is definitely a resistance there to believing in truth or you know, or absolute truth. Um, but yeah, pushing back with some questions soon just shows how ridiculous that that position really is. I mean, where the rubber hits the road, Stu, and some of the big debates that are going on in the nation right now, Mm. because if Jesus is the truth, Mm -hmm. uh, then the things that he says are true. Uh, So when we have the big marriage debate that's going on at the moment, this is one of the most hotly contested debates that is Mm -hmm. happening in the nation right now. Christians even wondering whether they should stand on one side or the other. And Mm -hmm. uh, do I stand on the side of Jesus here? Am I really uh, concerned that that he's the truth? Or should we just be loving and nice and and see uh, this whole issue of marriage crumble? Because if Jesus Mm -hmm. says, you know, a man shall leave his mother and father and uh, be united, and with, his united with his wife and the that's two right. shall be one, come one flesh. Mm. Uh, so if Jesus is the truth and that's what he said, then sure. maybe I'll have to actually align myself with what he says. Mm. And sometimes it's not comfortable, it's not easy when the whole flow of the culture is mm. is trying to overwhelm you with a false news, mm. a false truth. Mm. Uh, it's it's not as easy to actually hold on to that. Mm. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, your worldview will determine where you stand on those issues. And uh, as Christians, I mean, you know, our worldview should determine what we think about abortion, about same-sex marriage, about all the different uh, issues in our society, uh, you know, publicly and, and in private issues going on in our lives. I mean, our, our biblical worldview should determine how we make decisions on all of these things. And so I don't think it's a matter of, of do we stand by the truth or do we be loving uh, so much. I know you weren't really saying that. but um, Love but is we, a relative term. Yeah, term, it is. Yes. It is, yeah. But unfortunately, um, it, it, it actually really reflects the way people view it in society. They think if you don't stand with the homosexuals and allow them to have their own marriage, you're not loving. And it's a great lie in our society that, that uh, says that you have to agree Otherwise, you don't love or you're not compassionate. And that is just not true. You, you can hold a different perspective to someone and still be loving, still be compassionate. Um, yeah. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Shelby in Sunnybank. Hello, Shelby. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. Uh, Stuart, is it a hope? Stu, yes. It's yes, hello, Stuart Shelby. Yes, Stu. Yes, Stu. Hey, everybody. Hello, um, just a quick one. You know, the Bible... Um, uh, the, the Bible is the, uh, the truth and the light, um, and of course, it's the only truth, as we know, and it's the greatest book. It teaches us how to go to work, how to look after our marriages, how to our total life. Mm. Um, it just teaches us everything, and yet oh, there are so many people, as you say, that have got this 
well, I might say it, whacked idea <laughs> that that they um, are purely, um, you know, want to race off on all these new fangled things uh, that would get so-called discovered in this world, and yet it all reverts back to the Bible. You know, if they look at it deeply, it does, and they can't see it. Um, and it just amazes me, and I'll have so many of my Christian friends that won't stand up for what the Bible says. They say, oh, no, let the you know, homosexuals have their little way and their little gay marriage. And it is just amazing that they that they won't stand on the truth. Shelby, good uh, thoughts, and we're only about a minute out from news, but your response to Shelby, Stu? Oh, good on you, Shelby. I mean, it's the, the Bible clearly is what we stand upon as, as Christians. That's how we form our whole worldview, and we need to make a stand. That's what we were talking about before. We've got to draw a line in the sand. And if we don't make a stand, then who, who's going to be the voice for Jesus? Who's going to be the voice for the Bible, for for our Christian heritage as a country, for, for Christian principles that we're wanting to see in our society if we don't actually speak up. And, and I, I'm totally with you. I think uh, we've got to be more active as Christians um, in uh, declaring the truth and doing it in love. Stu Miller from Train to Proclaim is with us today. We're talking about post-truth. And Stu, I think it might be uh, good to take some calls straight away as we get things sure. underway. Let's hear from Wilson in Western Australia. Hello, Wilson. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Wilson, um, what are your thoughts? Well, my experience, uh, and I think that you've already touched on this, is that a lot of people aren't entirely post-truth. Um, they still have some beliefs. Uh, a lot of people uh, are limited uh, in what they can believe. Like They believe in science, um, but they, maybe not theology, and all theology is re- relegated to like opinion or is unknowable. So my question uh, was, with so much resistance, uh, I mean, if you accept that premise, uh, with so much resistance to faith, how do we invite people to consider theism and Christianity might be true um, and even knowable in a meaningful way? Stu Miller. Well, I think particularly if they if they have some basis for truth, like they do believe in science, which I, I think you're right, actually. Uh, people do seem to decompartmentalize, like we were saying with the illustration of the fridge, you know, and the milk, you know. We don't live our lives not believing in truth or believing that everything's true. Uh, most of our lives is just not live life that, like that at all. But when it comes to theology or belief about God, then all of a sudden, oh, there's no truth or they're, they're, everything's true. So I think I think you've touched on a really interesting thing, Wilson. For me, I bring the two together and I say, well, look, you know, um, for example, if someone says that all the religions are the same, I say, well, that's really interesting. Um, how can they be the same when they're saying completely opposite things? Uh, you know, I'm really interested to know and I ask questions of them uh, and then they've got to answer that question and say, well, you know, I know that I should be able to have a logical answer for this, but you know, I put this in the in the everything's right, everything's everything's true basket, and all of a sudden, I've got a question to me, and it makes absolutely no logical sense to why am I applying a different principle to theology than I do to the rest of my life? And so that's a, a good thing. I often bring in the three main worldviews with people, which I find is really helpful. There is the belief that there's one only one God belief that there's many gods and the belief that there's no god. So it's monotheism, polytheism, and atheism. And I say to people, well, which one's right? You've got to put your foot in in one of these camps because if there's only one god, then there can't be many gods and there can't be no god. Clearly, they've got to be wrong. But if there's many gods, there can't be only one god and there can't be no gods. Clearly, those two are wrong. But if there's no god at all, 
then there can't be one God or many gods. I mean, one of them has to be right and two of them have to be wrong. So which one is it? And then all of a sudden, logic takes over and they go, you're right. <laughs> one of them has to be right. Which one is it? And how can I know for sure? And so that starts the basis of, of a conversation with people once once you, you establish there has to be truth, and then you can go on to, well, what is true from there? Uh, Wilson, still with us, you started talking about science and God, uh, and uh, I would uh, tend to uh, think along the lines that, of course, science is something that we all have an appreciation for, but when you mm. leave God out of the picture and you say that science all of a sudden becomes uh, your focus as God, you are talking about a difference then between science and scientism. Scientism becomes, mm. like put an ISM on the end of it, and it becomes uh, all of a sudden your God. And, and for a lot of people, and particularly people who are atheist, they love to, uh, you know, they want to put their uh, name against uh, that shingle and say, uh, you know, I'm I'm believing in the God of science. Is that the sort of question, that's the sort of direction you were going with your, uh, your input on uh, 2020 today? Um, well, I think you're right that um, scientism and science has some religious uh, assumptions behind it. But I think m- my question, and I want to follow on from what was, was just said as well, um, is many people, even if you convince them that there is such a thing as truth, mm. um, would deny maybe that you could even know which of those three possibilities is true. Like, mm. how could I possibly figure that out, where, you know, whether atheism, theism or polytheism? Mm. Um, how, could I, how could I know for sure? Can I know for sure? Is it worth even having that conversation? I think mm. many people have given up. Yes. Yes, because some, some people, as, uh, as opposed to being atheists, are agnostic and they just think, well, maybe there's something out there or there may be a higher power, but no one really can know. And and that that is a prevailing worldview in our society as well. And you're right. So I think the first thing to establish is we can know truth. And then the second thing is we can actually from there uh, know what, what truth is. Um, so is there, sorry, the first thing is, is there truth? <laughs> and then once you've established that, you can, you can establish we can know truth. Um, but the big question that you're probably asking is, well, how do you get a person over the line with that? I would say there's, there's two things. One, one is I use the gospel because I believe in the Bible, you know, Romans one sixteen says it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And I think ultimately it is only God opening up people's eyes that can change them. Because honestly, I've, I've talked with people to the two, three hours at a time and I've given the best illustrations and all the logic and I've gone through and explained and answered all their questions and they still go away not believing, and I go, "Wow, did I achieve anything there?" You know, and I, I feel like I've spent my whole time defending my faith rather than presenting it. But since I've started using the Gospel and Seven app that I often talk about, <clears throat> it presents the gospel to someone and it confronts them with, "Well, is this true or not?" And they go away, even if they're an atheist, they go away. Well, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in what you've just said. But in the back of their mind, they're going, "Well, man, the ramifications of this are huge. What if I'm wrong?" And I just pray for people because ultimately I think it's only God that can touch people's lives. So I'd say I believe in the power of the gospel. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal, to bring revelation to people's minds. And also believe in the power of of the, uh, of uh, connecting with people and asking questions and using logic. And, and if someone is actually open, they will actually, you know, then maybe... What you say can bring break down a barrier for them coming to faith. 
But if they're just using it as a smoke screen or a red herring, then you're just going to end up in an argument and it's, you've just got to leave to God to, to sort them out. Does, is that helpful? Yeah, that is really helpful. And I think um, it makes a lot of sense. I think without a God of truth there, um, knowing truth would be very difficult. So that reliance on God to reveal truth um, is is a sensible thing. It's so easy to get caught up um, arguing without mm. ever actually presenting the gospel. That's, that's right. Absolutely. Wilson from WA, thanks so much for uh, some great input today here on 2020. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Let's keep taking some calls. Ursula is in New South Wales. Hello, Ursula. Welcome along. Yes, good afternoon. Um, I like to direct people who have uh, problems accepting objective and absolute truth to either mathematics or uh, even traffic rules because, um, you know, mathematics works for all of us all of the time in every areas of life, mm. whatever we're counting, multiplying, it always works. Mm. And traffic rules, you know, even though they're man-made rules, if we want to disobey them, we usually would have a fatal consequence. Mm. So, you know, that idea of what happens when we ignore truth, to bring that back to a tangible um you know, understanding mm. and the dire consequences of it. I think that might, you know, make people think of maybe if truth is is uh, real in in the tangible things, maybe it's real in the things that are still... Good thoughts, Ursula. Let's get a response from Stu. Definitely. I think they're two excellent examples. And, and uh, we were talking before about how people decompartmentalise things. They say, well, look, you know, science and mathematics and all that sort of thing. Well, that's that's got laws, that's got... Truth that you know that that works and it works universally for everyone. But but religion or theology, well, that's just whatever you believe, you know. And I think linking the two together uh, is a key thing. Uh, an illustration I like to use is, I say to the person that I'm speaking with, if we both went up to the top of this tall building that you know is normally a tall building around, and, and we both jumped off the top, but I didn't believe in gravity, but you did. Well, you're going to come crashing down and you're going to die or severely hurt yourself. But I'm not. I'm just going to float around because I don't believe in gravity, right? And the person normally looks at you strangely and goes, hey, are you kidding me? Of course that's not true. You're going to come crashing down as well. I say, well, you know what? If this is true what I've shared with you today about God, then you know, the moment we die, we're going to meet God and we'll know it's true. And if it's true, it's true. You know, and Just the same as if gravity is true, the moment my foot leaves the top of that building, Gravity takes on it over. It actually doesn't matter what I believe. The truth is the only thing that matters at that point. And I say it's the same with God. So, uh, yeah, if you can somehow link, like I love what you're doing with mathematics or the, the road rules or gravity or whatever it is, to uh, to link the two together. It's a very powerful illustration. Ursula from New South Wales, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Let's take another call. Robin is in Mount Morgan. Hello, Robin. Welcome back. <laughs> Yes, hi. Um, Stu just took one of my best examples about the gravity. That's what I often say. <laughs> and good. also about a murderer. You know, I, I've talked to somebody and said, um, well, look, when somebody murders somebody, um, you know, he did it. I mean, you know, everybody can accept that, that he really did it. I mean, whoever it was. But he's going to do everything in his power to cover it, to um, divert the suspicion to somebody else or whatever like that. So people can believe whatever they like. But the fact is there was run one murderer, that is the truth. Anyway, but um, I was going to say my, my whole salvation um, has been truth is just the big central thing for me, or it's like an anchor. When I first heard um, the gospel, um, when I was probably about 19, 
it made me feel very, very uncomfortable. And um, but I, I just knew it was the truth, mm. and that's what I've hung on to. And throughout all my life, the truth, the truth, the truth. So no matter what mm. storm I've been going through, and there's a lot of deception. You know, when you go through experiences where people think something about you, and um, they're going on half truths and part truths, and you don't even know how you're going to explain it, you even start doubting yourself. Mm. But the one thing you can hang on to is that God is the truth, and mm. He knows everything that's happened. Mm. He is the truth. Um, so, and the other thing I wanted to say is, with all the talk, you know, Jesus warned us about deception, particularly in the last days. He said, "Do not be deceived." And a lot of people are going and looking at that, maybe because of the aliens or this or that or whatever. I think that look, the whole point is. If we're not so closely related to the truth, which is Jesus himself, in reading his word and spending time with him and and hearing from him, Mm. then we can be deceived. Because that's the whole point of deception. You don't even realize that you're believing Mm. a lie. That's true. Robin, absolutely outstanding input. Thank you so much for your call today. Uh, We are taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Dion in South Australia. Is it Dion or Dion? Well, that sounds uh, pretty close to me anyway, so let's go with Dion. Dion, what are your thoughts? Listen, I had a conversation the other day. Sorry, I've been been trying to follow you guys being in and out of the car all day, but um, I had a conversation a few weeks ago, a few days ago, with a, a co-worker who's, um, who claimed not to believe in religion um, or the Bible, uh, but claims to be an absolute devotee to science. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tried to persuade him to, to at least to consider that, um, I mean, I, I choose to believe the Bible because I make an act of choice to believe, and or, you know, not just the Bible, but in also what it says. Mm. And that he makes an act of choice to believe in science, to which he, of course, objected, because in his premise, science is an absolute truth, being absolute in everything it, it, um, it, it, it brings about or is accepted. Mm. So uh, I try to, again, to persuade him to consider that now he chooses to believe in science, because most scientific equations, if you, or whatever, is based on some assumptions. Mm. Now, many of it is proven or considered proven as evidence, but some, there are some assumptions made mm. in science, and there's Absolutely. on the fact as well. So trying to get this person to believe, uh, con- concede or consider that it's a belief issue, not a factual issue, mm. and if he uses the same, so therefore, if he's true to his convictions and he... He uses the same... Um, I think we can hear what you're saying, Dion, and uh, a response from, from Stu when it comes to this whole issue of science. Yeah, I th- it's really interesting because people who stand so strong with science actually have to borrow from the Christian worldview to do so because they say, well, look, you can have facts, you can have truth, we can test something, we can know something, there's laws of nature, and you say, well, where did those laws come from? Uh, how do you know they're going to be the same tomorrow? You know, uh, oh, they're universal, they're, they're timeless. Oh, how can they be universal and timeless? You know, you know, have you been a million years in the future? Do you know that it's going to be the same today? You know, today and and in a million years' time? Oh, well, no, but we, we've tested it. it it's, it's always been like this. Well, just because I drive past a hundred houses and they're all all painted red, 
I could make an assumption that house number 101 is also going to be red. But what if someone ran out of paint and they painted it yellow? Well, you can't assume uh, that tomorrow any of your science is going to be make any sense at all. All the laws of nature could change tomorrow. And they're like, well, no, 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 but it's, it's universal. It's time. How can you have a universal timeless laws of science without a universal timeless God who put them in place? The only way I believe in science, and anyone can believe in science, is to actually have a worldview where there's a, a God that's outside of time, space, and matter that has put the laws of the universe in place. And that's the only way, reason we can rely on things like science. And so th- really your friend is borrowing from the Christian worldview to make their case against God, which is the irony of it. (laughs) This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Running a little short of time, we won't be able to take any more calls. Thanks to those uh, listeners who are patiently waiting on the line to have their say. You won't be able to have your say today. We're running out of time. We're talking about sharing truth in a post-truth world. Uh, Stu Miller from Train to Proclaim is with us. There is a Train to Proclaim website, traintoproclaim.com. Stu, as we're drawing some loose ends together, and mm-hmm. just in these last few minutes of our conversation, uh, because listeners will be saying, okay, we're talking about truth. Uh, you've said uh, preach the gospel. The gospel mm. itself confronts those it fake does. issues that people mm. are uh, searching and uh, and following after. Mm. The elements of this gospel mm. that actually do address some of the issues we've been talking about today, how mm. do you, when you're sharing the gospel, what elements do you include that address some of the concerns people have? Well, the the, the basic elements, you know, you know, if you were to summarize the Bible as such, God created the world. He created us to be in relationship with him. We stuffed up. We sinned. We broke his laws. Uh, we s- separated ourselves from God. God, in his love, uh, sent his son Jesus to, to die on the cross, to be punished in our place, so we can be reconciled with God again. We could, be, uh, we could come back into relationship with him and live with him forever, uh, have a fresh start. And uh, But just because Jesus has died doesn't mean we're all uh, reconciled with something active that we've got to do. We've got to be proactively uh, making that decision to, to repent, to turn away from the things that are wrong in our lives and surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. And as we do that, he promises us forgiveness, a clean slate, relationship with him now and eternity in heaven. So that's the really the nutshell. I, I talk about three questions when it comes to um, the gospel, how, why we need to be saved, how Jesus can save us and what do we need to do in order to be saved. And if you sort of keep that in your mind, it helps you when you're sharing the gospel. But the G7 that we've produced, you know, is fantastic because the, all the theology and study of what the gospel is is put into that. And it's and it's on, honestly, it's taken 20 years of, of a lot of different Christians input into this. It's not just mine. It's a lot of people have put in input. Uh, and a lot of theologians have looked at this and it's really solid. But it also communicates in, without any church jargon really clearly the elements of the gospel to someone who's and it, and it confronts them and this whole issue of of a postmodern world I, I think it's the gospel is the key thing to share because it confronts people with the truth and they've got a choice am I going to believe the truth or even explore this further or I'm just going to reject it and uh, but because the ramifications are so high your whole eternity is at stake most people go you know what this is actually worth exploring And interestingly, this is the starting point, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about bringing people to a point where they can believe or 
even make their own cho- choice to mm-hmm. disbelieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we start to say, how does it all unfold when we're living this post-truth world? How mm-hmm. does all the truth fit? Well, that's uh, getting into discipleship, isn't it? It's uh, knowing who we sure. are in Christ. There's identity issues there. There's understanding uh, sure. of truth issues. And so we begin to grow in those things. So sure. uh, what we've been talking about today is really just this, uh, this the starting start of the point, journey. Yeah. The start of the journey. And, yeah. uh, and Stu, you do talk about the start of the journey particularly well. Mm. Uh, you do travel. Uh, you were mentioning your travels in New Zealand uh, just mm. recent times. Uh, you're prepared to travel where people might invite mm-hmm. you. You'll run seminars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll talk about the sorts of things we're talking about today, but so, so much more. Sure. Uh, preparing people to be able to share their faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, critically, because mm. the world is the way it is, mm-hmm. the need for your ministry is now much more important than it's ever been. So if people make contact you, with you through your website, uh, they sure. can invite you to be their speaker. At uh, you yeah. know, where are you prepared to go? <laughs> well, in April and May, I'm going to be in Perth, Darwin, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, and in, of course here in Queensland. So um, I'm going to be travelling around. Maybe we can link something in together if there's, that's something you you want to do. Um, I'd love to work with you and a group of Christians to be able to uh, help help equip and empower Christians to to share the gospel more effectively. Now, the website to find out dates where you might be able to participate in those events or get your own event uh, that is coinciding with those is traintoproclaim.com. That's traintoproclaim.com. And Stu, you mentioned your G7 app, which mm-hmm. is a simple way to be able to share your gospel message with your friend using your mobile device. Uh, so many people will be interested in that, and they can simply go to their app store. Mm-hmm. And I think you just want type in G7 no, or uh, gospel, gospel in, in seven. seven. Okay, yeah. gospel in seven yeah. uh, to be able to access that free app. Well, Stu, great getting your insights as always. Let's do this again sometime very soon. Uh, thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.